She'll follow. Go ahead. Well, good morning, church. Uh, yeah, that was a beautiful time of song and praise. And, you know, that, that song, how it speaks about God is so personable to each and every one of us. And I'm not sure what your week was like or uh, what your morning was like coming in to this building. But whatever good, bad or ugly things that have gone on this week, you know that you can... Um, Leave that baggage at the foot of the cross and the Lord will get you through whatever circumstances you're facing. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, this is a, a message that's uh, from a two-part series. We, we didn't get through everything last week, so we're going to wrap up uh, the second portion of the message from last week entitled From Darkness to Light. Uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 26 and we're going to be wrapping up this chapter uh, this morning. So we'll be in verses 19 down through 32. Uh, if you can stand, please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and, and read our text this morning. We'll go ahead and pray and uh, we'll get into the message. Just uh, excited every day, right? It's excitement just to know that you're alive. You're alive. That means that there's a purpose for your life in Jesus Christ. So let's see what the Lord wants to speak to us this morning. Amen. All right. Starting in verse 19 of chapter 26 of the book of Acts. And it says, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with repentance. For this reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day I have had the help that comes from God. Amen. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. Verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king rose and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them 
And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your provisions through your word. Thank you how you provide us every scope of how we're to live, what we're to do, what we're not to do. Thank you that your word is living and active and you show us clearly the importance of faith. And Lord, you show us how that faith can be unlocked. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us now through your word. Help us to see how this message is crafted by you to be personable to every person here this morning. So again, Father, may you receive all honor, praise, and glory. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you, church. So last week, quick recap, we learned that it takes conviction, it takes humility, and it takes obedience to truly serve Jesus Christ to live in a joyful manner, right? Because we can, we can say we're serving Christ and we're living for Jesus, but if, if, if we don't take conviction seriously, if we don't take humility seriously, and if we don't take obedience to God's Word to heart, we're not going to have the joy that the Word of God speaks of. As we see with people like Paul, this man was imprisoned, this man was beaten, this man was shipwrecked. You know, if only you went through one of those. That's a, that's a stretch to say, I'm full of joy in chat, and especially, I mean, nowadays, well, in this country, uh, conditions are a little bit better in prisons, but you go to somewhere outside of this country, and, uh, you know, to be in prison for any extended amount of time, it's horrendous. Uh, you, you literally will be sleeping with the roaches. Uh, and so, for Paul to have this joy, he, he understood these key principles of the Christian faith, and he took every single one of them very seriously. Today, we will get to see two other responses to the message that Paul gave and how no other response will work but total submission to Jesus Christ. Because Festus had a response to to Paul's word and King Agrippa had a response to the gospel that Paul had shared. And both of those responses, uh, unfortunately, were not correct. They did not hit the mark. There's several main points this morning, and the first one for our message is this. A witness. A witness for Jesus Christ. Their responsibility is to only express what they have seen in Christ, what they have experienced, what they see in the Word of God. Not to change someone's perspective. A witness is responsibility is to simply share, is to witness. You see, Paul understood this very well. He knew that he in himself could not change King Agrippa's heart or King Agrippa's mind. He knew that this was the work of the Holy Spirit. But Paul was responsible for letting King Agrippa and those around Uh, the king and the governor Festus, he was responsible to tell them the truth about what he knew of Jesus Christ. You see, he was responsible to testify. We hear that word a lot. I testify. Testify. He was called to testify the truth about Jesus Christ to all, for all those that were around him. 
that Jesus Christ and the acceptance of salvation through Jesus Christ is the only way to be right with God, is the only way to have true peace and tranquility in your life despite your circumstances, the only way to enter into heaven when you leave this physical shell and this physical earth is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He was to testify, that is Paul, that unconfessed sin between any individual and God causes a wedge between them. And that wedge cannot be taken out except for the receiving of salvation from Jesus Christ. Until we are convicted that we need to repent, that wedge between God and us will remain and there will be broken fellowship between God and His creation. But you see, Paul wasn't responsible for Agrippa's decision, but he was responsible to tell him the truth. And that's uh, very important for us to remember as Christians. It's our responsibility to share the gospel truth to those around us. Obviously, you do it led by the Holy Spirit in love. We don't hammer people. We don't, we don't condemn people. But we share. We share. We, we should not be afraid to share. Maybe nervous. Yes, there's, there's plenty of times where I'm like, man, you know, are they going to accept them? Or, you know, am I doing it right? Well, you, know, you just got to jump right in. You know? And led by the Holy Spirit, He will give you the words. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just have to believe and have that true conversion in your own life. That will make it that much easier because you know it's true because you've experienced it in your own life. Amen? Amen. All right, the second main point is this. Some will simply think that you are insane for your faith in Jesus Christ. As we see in our text this morning, when Festus heard Paul speak, he thought this man was out of his mind. He just couldn't understand or recognize the significance or the importance of having a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, there were many factors that came into play on why Festus would think this way. Being a Roman citizen, being brought up in that culture, they had many gods, right? They had many gods. And, and, and for, for Paul to say what he said, it, it must have made Festus think, you're telling me all these other gods are are, are false, are not right, are not real? What about Diana? What about uh, the, the, the goddess of fertility? What about all these other little gods that we have? What about all these statues that, that we praise? And, and Caesar, we look to Caesar as if he is a god in human form, the way they bow down and worship Caesar. And so for, for Festus, it was very difficult for him to understand this because he was looking through the lens of the physical only coupled with the fact that his heart at the time was not ready to receive Jesus Christ. He was blinded by his ignorance. He was blinded to the truth of the gospel. You see, this is what happens many times with many people. We are looking through a physical lens. We're not looking through to spiritual things. That coupled with the fact that our hearts are just not genuinely ready to receive Christ. There is a rebellion popping off inside of us. And so we say, uh, I got time. This, this is not 
the opportunity that I want to take right now. I'd rather do my own thing. I'd rather live my life the way I want. And, and, and this is what was going on with, with, uh, with Festus here. And he thought that Paul was out of his mind for saying what he said about Jesus Christ and that one would need to repent of their sins, asking for forgiveness to be forever changed. The third main point is this. And I think this is the most dangerous of the two uh, I just spoke. Is that almost believing or having a halfway faith just won't cut it. It's not enough. As for King Agrippa, he didn't say that he thought Paul was crazy. But he didn't fully believe the testimony that Paul gave of Jesus Christ either. You see, King Agrippa chose to straddle the fence when it came to making a a, a decision about Jesus Christ and who Jesus was. In some ways, Festus was actually in a better position than King Agrippa. Because you see, Festus, he just said, all right, Paul, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. All your teaching has made you mad. This whole concept of Jesus Christ being real, raising people from the dead, saying you need to repent of your sins, saying you're born again. This is not real. This is maddening. You're, You're a lunatic. This is what Festus thought. But at least Festus made an absolute decision. He didn't straddle the fence. He said, no, you're out of your mind and I will not have it in my life. While King Agrippa... He was amused by the testimony of Paul so much as it tickled his heart a little bit and it made him inquire. And he thought, you know, you're not halfway wrong with what you're saying. You see, but it wasn't enough to sway King Agrippa's opinion. And he didn't take Jesus Christ seriously. This kind of half-hearted decision-making is similar to the church of Laodicea. We're familiar with that church, the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And and the Lord had some choice words for that church. He said, because you are neither hot nor cold, because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And it's very symbolic of, uh, or the irrigation of that, of that church and how the water ran through, uh, you know, it was lukewarm. And so it was very symbolic of that. But spiritually speaking, the church of Laodicea, just like King Agrippa, neither hot nor cold. You know, I, I mean, I guess sometimes lukewarm water is okay to drink, but, you know, it's like either have it cold or have it hot, but lukewarm, you know, kind of nasty. And, and by the Lord's account, the fact that spiritually, They had the outer exterior that looked like they were followers, right? Again, but we know it's an inside job. It's an inside job that the Lord does. All this other stuff, it doesn't really matter that much. It's about what your heart condition is and how the character of your life shows true. And they were lukewarm. And so he said, I will spew you out of my mouth. This is a clear reminder to us today that we must be certain of who We say Jesus Christ is to be in our lives and to to take that stand and to make that choice. No matter how unpopular it may be with those around us to be convicted of this reality in our lives. All right, let's go ahead and get into these verses and, and unearth these great truths that are in God's word this morning. Okay, verses 19 and 20. So it says, therefore, this is Paul speaking to the king. Therefore, O King Agrippa... I was not disobedient 
to the heavenly vision, but, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. So Paul made it clear about what his stance was in what he shared with King Agrippa. Here is the key to this whole transformation that, that Paul had experienced. He said that he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Given the experience Paul just described, everything that was going on, this was logical. Remember, the Damascus Road experience. I mean, he was struck by a light that knocked him off his horse. Then he was confronted by Jesus Christ face to face. Jesus asked him, why are you persecuting me? What is going on? He was blinded. Uh, all of this intense stuff, you would think that, yes, someone would truly be changed because it was a radical experience. It wasn't just something that, you know, brushed him. It was something that shook him to his core. But some testimonies, some of our testimonies are not as intense as this, but the soil of our hearts makes all the difference. Remember we talked about last week, you don't have to have a, a transformation uh, like Paul or an experience like Paul, but your transformation should be the same. The conviction you experience, the, 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 utter, the utter certainty of knowing that without Jesus Christ you are lost, that needs to be there. Those core fundamental things uh, need to be there. You see, Paul made a strong case before Agrippa as to why he preached and lived the way he did. He, he, he made it crystal clear that, that people, individuals, should repent, turn to God, and to do works benefiting repentance. This is very rich. This is, uh, this is a key truth, a fundamental truth in the Christian life that we can't allow to ever fall to the wayside. That... There is a lifestyle of repentance that should accompany every believer. Without this understanding of a lifestyle of repentance, you are lifeless spiritually. Repentance is not a one-time gig. It's not just when you get converted and you first initially react to the fact that you understand you are apart from Christ. This is as you are saved, as you are not losing your salvation, but there are going to be moments where you are going to be convicted and repentance should occur. You see, Paul sets repent and turning close to God in the same. They are two aspects of the same action, repentance and turning to God. You see, you can't truly turn to God unless you repent. And your actions will confirm true repentance, right? Because I just say it. You know, you ever been in those relationships? So it's just like young people, you know. They <laughs> get the first girlfriend, first boyfriend, and something pops off, and someone's always saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, forgive me. You know, you're saying you're sorry, but then, man, you go back and you're doing the same thing all over again. And you're in this unhealthy, nasty relationship where it's just all this, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, forgive me. But your actions haven't changed. So stop saying you're sorry because you're not sorry. Your actions will prove the validity of your words, and if you truly are sorry or not. And it's the same thing with God. We can say, I repent, I repent, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, God. 
but there needs to be a change of action, right? Because repent means a change of my mind. And I know we can't do this in and of ourselves. So it's just all the more praying, asking the Lord to give you the strength to do whatever you need to do to turn away from actions you know that are not uh, glorifying God and to repent truly. This is the kind of, of, of repentance that, that, that bears good fruit, healthy fruit, spiritual fruit that will last, that will not tarnish, spiritual fruit that will have an effect in your life and those around you. I love this verse right here. It's very short, but it, it, it speaks so deeply to this, this point, this principle. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8 says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. This is crazy because this verse right here, it speaks to the fact that repentance is an ongoing theme. It's an ongoing theme in a Christian's life because it says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You see, you kind of got to keep up with it. If you're not keeping up with repentance, dare I say, you may not be as close as you think you need to be or you are to Jesus Christ. Because again, remember, it's that wedge, that unconfessed sin. It creates a wedge between us and God and God's longing for us to, to, be, to change that, right? Obviously, God can do everything, but, but he gave us a free will. And there's certain things he's not going to do. You see, he's not going to force you to repent. He's going to allow things to unravel and unfold in your life until you realize that you need to repent. And then you, once you repent, you get right back in right standing with him. But he will allow these things to occur because it's for our, 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 our own benefit to do so. And, and you know... It's funny because, you know, you, you can preach this and, and, and teach it, but it's like, you know, the Lord, <laughs> I did a fair deal of repenting this week. You know, Kalos went, um, we, we let him go uh, with his grandparents uh, a day and a half camping up north. And, you know, it's the first time he'd been camping. And uh, my, uh, one of my sister-in-laws, her boyfriend and his, and, and his kids were up there too. And, and so, you know, it was one of those things where we're like, man, you know, he's not going to get this experience, not with us right now, because we're working, you know, and, and we can't take time off. So he said, okay, go. And, you know, he had a great time, and, you know, he's in the water, and, you know, sending pictures, videos, all this and that. And, you know, his kid comes back, you know, like, whatever, a day and a half later, and I'm like, Kalos, how you doing, man? Do you have fun? And I was like, not talking. What? You know, and, you know, just certain things I'm like, you know, and I'm not speaking bad on the kids there, but I'm like, you know, what, I don't know, you know, you, you left for a day and a half, and all of a sudden you're, you changed, you know, and you're, uh, you got a little attitude, you're not listening. You're not, you know, you're not sharing. You're over here. You just want to be on your iPad. You want to watch Ryan. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and, and I, and I, I kind of had some choice words for him for a moment there. Because I was like, and I took that whole, you're in my, under my roof. You're in my, <laughs> my roof. You're going to respond to me. And, you know, granted, I may have, may have had some grounds to express that concern. But, uh, you know, I ended up having to repent. I ended up having to get right with the Lord. I ended up having to get right with him and, and understand that, uh, you know, again, the wrath of man will not produce the righteousness of God. But uh, again, that whole that whole point, just to share that, again, this whole keeping up with repentance is real and, and it's not a bad thing. I, I, I really believe it's a it's a terrible, uh, disastrous thing when a Christian doesn't think they need to repent anymore and thinks they're all good. And thinks like, oh, I'm cool. I'm cool with God. 
I gave my little tithe, or I, I go to the church house, and you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not having premarital sex, and I'm, I'm not doing this and that, so I'm okay. You know what? It's not about that. It's about do we, do we allow the Lord to speak into our lives in such a way that He can bring up the tiniest thing, and it'd be like, wow, Lord, for real, I'm wrong there. Okay, okay, uh, your way, not mine. And so, if you find yourself repenting a lot. You are in a good place with the Lord. It's when you are not choosing to do that or your heart has grown callous to the concept of repentance or you think sin is all in the world and on KTVU and, you know, um, I didn't even make a mention of it, but, you know, praise God for all those that, that, that did serve and do serve as we do celebrate this Memorial Day weekend. Um, but sin is not just what went on at the VTA and all that. And we do pray for all the people that have been affected by, by that. As a, you know, again, that's like what the, the, since what the Gilroy Garlic Festival, I think that, uh, you know, we've had something like that happen close to home. But um, as heinous as those sins are, sins not just out there, sins real close. And so we need to be aware of that and keep, again, short accounts with the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Moving on. Verses 21 down through 23. And it says, this is Paul still speaking. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. And to this day, I have, have, have had the, the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both, small, both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. That Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. So this is Paul explaining what would go on and the reason why the Jews, the religious leaders had such an animosity and an anger and even a hate towards him. And he explained it clearly. This was the truth of the case. It was only because he sought to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles that the Jews, they seized him and they tried to kill him. They said, man, what's this guy doing? First of all, you turn your back on us. Now you go into the dogs and telling them they, they, they can be right with God and they can be equal with us. You know, right from their perspective, they're like, we're God's chosen people. Who are these half-breeds? How are you saying that they're okay? It's just so crazy. You know, you go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon has, has so much godly wisdom. It's nothing new under the sun. You don't have to be Jew and Gentile to see that this is still permeating today. Why do, why do some people think they're greater than others? Why do some people think they're less than others? Why, do any, why does anybody subscribe to this? Again, because of sin, because they do not have the Holy Spirit living in their hearts. But we see this played out. Unfortunately, we see this played out in our country where people think they're, you know, we, we still have this game that we play, but it, it, its roots are rooted back in sin because we see it clearly in our text that this is how the Jewish leaders looked at Gentiles. They thought that they were greater, that they were better. You see, it wasn't that Paul was a political revolutionary or because he offended the sanctity of the temple that the Jews wanted him eradicated. They just didn't like the fact of what Paul was standing for. And he goes on to say, Having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing both to small and great. This is beautiful. This is great. This is the humble attitude, the humble approach. This is Paul understanding his position in Jesus Christ. You see, during 
his more than two years of confinement, Paul received much help from God. Yet to that point, it wasn't help that released him. It was help that gave him the opportunity and the ability to speak to people small and great about who Jesus was and what Jesus Christ had done for him. The application for us this morning in regards to that statement is this. This proves clearly that God may not change your circumstances, but rather He will walk with you through them. You see, many times, right, we pray, Lord, take this from me. I don't know why I'm in this situation. I don't want this cancer. I don't want this divorce. I don't want this rebellious child. I don't want to be in debt. Maybe the Lord will not allow those circumstances to change. But if you seek Him, He will walk with you through those situations and and the, the darkest situations of your life. If we just focus on Him, we'll know that He's with us. And I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm 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 not saying that He can't change those circumstances. But you know, sometimes we're amazed when He doesn't change our circumstances and we get even madder. And we, we're more hurt. We say, well, I thought it was going to work out. I thought, I thought being a Christian meant you left all this stuff. Again, you look at the state of this country. And you tell me there are not real Christians that still live in America? I think there's plenty of real Christians that are not fake, that are not playing games, that are praying that want good things to happen. But that doesn't mean that the circumstances are just going to vanish. And all of a sudden, it's going to be all good. And we can sing Kumbaya, and no one's going to go shoot up someplace anymore. That's just not the way reality works. Because there are spiritual forces of darkness that we are warring against daily. And it's not, you don't got to see a psychiatrist. And I get sometimes people need medications to help them and all that kind of stuff. But when you really get down to the bottom line, it's a spiritual condition. It's a sickness of the spirit. And if people don't get prayed for, and if people don't have the right people leading them, trying to lead them to the light, well, you know, once you're given over to sin and to a depraved heart, you can do the unthinkable like molesting your own grandchild or shooting up a bunch of people or taking a pill of uh, you know, whatever to the face and taking your own life. All those things happen because people have been given over to a depraved heart and a depraved mind. And just like Paul, people might call you crazy for calling it what it is. But this is the reality. People don't need another drug. They don't need another doctor. They need prayer. They need intercessory prayer. They need prayer warriors to be interceding for them that these strongholds that Satan and these demonic forces have on them can be broken. Getting back to the fact that the Lord may not change your circumstances. This seemed to be fine with Paul. Paul was A-OK. You see, he was more interested in telling people about Jesus than his own personal freedom. This kind of selflessness only comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit to the brim. I mean, and you know why we constantly have to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Because we are to be poured out as an offering 
as a sacrifice, as, 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 as something that would influence other people. And so daily you should be being poured out of yourself spiritually only to be filled up again with the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not a one-time feeling. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in you. But for you to be under the influence, permeated by the Holy Spirit, as, as the Word talks about, be drunk not with wine, but with the Holy Spirit overflowing. You know, as, a, as someone who's intoxicated, they are uh, compelled to move and act and think under the, the influence of that alcohol or that liquor so strongly that they do things that they would never do when mine was sober. In the same way, we are to be so influenced by the Holy Spirit. And that only comes by being filled, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And this is what was happening with Paul. The reason that he would be not concerned about his own freedom, but the fact that he's like, I'm going to preach to all these cats in front of me. You put all these kings, you put all these jailers, you put all these officials in front of me, and I'm going to give them Christ. I'm not just going to sit here with my mouth closed. I'm going to praise the Lord. What did he do in prison? Praising God. Singing hymns and praises at midnight. It comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't do this on his own. And so he was great to say, I've been helped greatly by God. Saying that no other things than those which the prophets Moses would would speak would would come to pass this is the next statement that paul made he he also stated that his unswerving commitment to this same gospel is because the gospel is based solidly on the word of god he was speaking of what moses spoke about he wasn't speaking of traditions he wasn't speaking of spiritual experiences of men the application for us this morning is this look to the bible for the direction for your life. I'm not saying you can't read other things. I'm not saying you can't have pastimes and hobbies and things that you like to do. I enjoy uh, several things that when I have free time, I enjoy them to the fullest. But what I'm saying is when you look for soul direction in your life, you need look no further than the Bible. You don't need anything else. Lastly, here we see Paul points out how salvation would come, that Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and that he would proclaim the light to the Jewish people and also to the Gentiles. These were the three main points of Paul's preaching all the time, and it was Jesus' death, his resurrection, and the preaching of the good news to the whole world without respect to either Jew or Gentile. And these are truths that we cling to, and this is what we Lord willing, we'll continue to preach and teach in this little church body. Is the same thing. Jesus' death, His resurrection, and that is for all people. These, 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 these truths are so evident that they should never again get old or stale, but these are things that we, we should just find ourselves reviving in daily and being amazed how good you are, God, how great you are, how loving you are, that you would take someone like me knowing my heart, knowing the capability of wickedness that I could do, but yet you transformed me from darkness to light. And now here I am scrubbing dishes and I'm cool with it. Here I am tying little kids' shoes and I'm praising you for it. Here I am serving people 
And I'm not burdened. I'm not grumbling. I got to do this again. How long? You know, some people, you know, like their in-laws come and they're like, ah, gosh, I can't deal with these people. You know, but when your heart's like, man, come on, you know, I love them. Yeah, I mean, a little rough around the edges. Yeah, whatever, you know. But it's like you have a genuine love for them. You have a genuine concern, a genuine care for these people that once you looked at them and you were like, could you really stay away? <laughs> do you really got to come this Thanksgiving? Can you, uh, we kind of got our own family now. Can we going to do our own thing? We'll send, you a, we'll send you a greeting card. You know, but when you have that genuine concern for people, that's that, again, overflowing of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's amazing. It's liberating. It's, it's freedom. Who wants to live with bitterness? Oh, oh, it's so ugly, right? It's just so nasty. You know, I've been around people like that. You know, I'm not going to put anybody on blast. You know, these are personal people that I know in my own family. But, but you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy when you know, people are just so, ugh, they're just so bitter, they're just so wound up in, in, in hate. It's like, how can you live like that? It's, it's, it's just not a good look. And, and you guys know what I'm talking about. If you've come across people that they just have, they just have that hardness about them due to life, due to sin, due to um, you know, not submiss- being submissive to Jesus Christ. And it's, it's, you pray for them. That's all you can do. Pray for them. Intercede for them. Pray that the Lord would have mercy and that they would allow him to break that stony heart so they could have a heart of flesh. All right. Moving on, verses 24 down through 26, and it says, And as he, speaking of Paul, was saying these things in his defense, Festus (laughs) said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. Emphasis stated. I'm not adding nothing to the word, just saying (laughs) But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. Festus, Festus, Festus. The man could not believe what he was hearing. I mean, he was beside himself. You see, his statement that Paul was out of his mind, it, it wasn't said calmly. It, it wasn't all, you know, all debonair and, you know, Paul, I, I really think you're out of your mind, sir. No, it, it wasn't like that. He was beside himself in disbelief. He could not understand how Paul would come to these conclusions. But you see, Festus was spiritually blind. And that, <clears throat> and given Paul's conduct at this hearing, the, these, are some, uh, these are some of the reasons someone like Festus might think that Paul was mad. If you think about it, okay, Paul was in chains. He was a prisoner in chains, but he said he was happy. You can read about that. Acts chapter 26 verse 2 tells us that. How could a prisoner be happy in those kind of conditions? I, 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 I watch those, you know, those, those prison shows and those National Geographic, you know what I mean, crazy shows, lock up and all that. It's like, man, people making shanks and people killing each other. You got to fend for your life. I don't know. How are you going to be happy in prison? It ain't no joke. You wearing other people's drawers and, you know what I mean, 
it ain't that ain't cool. How you happy? But yet he's happy. He's filled with joy. The second is this. It's kind of nasty, huh? I'm telling you, don't don't do not go to prison. It is not the place to be. The second thing is, you know, he he insists that God could raise the dead. And I, like I had said earlier in the message, coming from a background of all these different gods and demigods and idols, Festus like, what? Jesus Christ, I seen this man. He died on the cross. They, they messed him up. He, he didn't rise from the dead. He's not raising nobody from the dead. So he, he, he had to grapple with that as well. The third thing was, he, uh, he, he said, Paul, Paul said he experienced a heavenly vision and was, cha- and was changed his life because of this vision that he had. So, okay, yeah, okay, Paul, you had a vision, huh? You had a vision, you were blinded, and God told you why you persecuting him? Okay, cool, man. Next, uh, you know, Paul was more concerned about proclaiming Jesus Christ and his own personal freedom. Again, to Festus, he's like, you don't want to be free? You just want to talk about Jesus? You can be free. All you got to do is deny Christ. All you have to do is deny him. You know, there's many instances in our lives today where, you know, you may not be fighting for your freedom, but the enemy works in ways like that as well, where he just wants you to deny Christ. What did he do to Jesus? Well, you know, if you just, you just bow down to me, I'll give you all, all the kingdoms of the world. But come on, man. Satan doesn't realize he knew. God owns it all anyways, right? But, but because he's the prince uh, of the air and, and the one that's influencing this life, he, he chose to try to bribe Jesus into submitting to him. And the same thing with Paul here. Festus is like, dude, why don't you want to be free? You could be free. All you have to do is just deny Christ. The next thing was that Paul believed in a message of hope and redemption for all humanity, not just Jews or Gentiles. And so, you know, this is, these are the things that played into why Festus is like, you're out of your mind. You're talking about Jews and, and, and us being uh, able to, to be together, to live cohesively, to live at peace. Remember, Rome was oppressing the Jewish people at this time. So every order Festus was given ultimately was to keep these people confined in a certain area and make sure they didn't get out of line. And if they got out of line, they either got whipped or they got thrown into prison. So Festus is like, no. You know, the God he saw was Caesar because Caesar is the one with power. Caesar's the one with the control. Caesar's the one with gold and with the, uh, with the, with the vast kingdom and with Hundreds of thousands of men that were willing to die for the call to go to war. And so for Festus, he just couldn't get it. The application is this. The gospel, when properly proclaimed and lived out, will make some people think that we are crazy. But I love this verse because it confirms you're not out of your mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 tells us, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We see this every day. People might think you're crazy. But it's because the cross is foolishness to people who are perishing. Do you get that? They are perishing. Though they may have all kind of money. Though they may have all kind of stature, though they may have all kind of degrees, though they may have all kind of influence, they don't understand 
the fundamental truth of why they're really here and that there is a true and living God that they are to serve, that they are created in his own image and in his likeness. And nowadays people will say, well, why has God got to be a man? Why you got to say, I got to be made in his image? Why can't I just be made in the image of God? Maybe God's a woman. Maybe he's a God's a woman and a man. It's like, dude, you guys are tripping, man. You guys need to stop, you know? But that's what sin does. It gets a hold of people. And then it allows people to run with their ideology and say, it's okay because my feelings got hurt. I felt disrespected. Stop it. Get over yourself. It's not that deep, man. It's for your own benefit, you know? And it's, you know, I don't even want to get into that. But it's crystal clear how we are to live. You guys have all heard the analogy, the Bible is the basic instructions before leaving earth. If it was like for a car, you would not put sugar in a gas tank and think the car's gonna run. It's not gonna run, it's not gonna work right. This is the manual for your life and my life. Even with all of the difficult things that we'll go through, even though all the distractions that we'll go through, your life is gonna be a million times better if you live by the principles of the Bible then if you go your own way and do whatever you want, it just doesn't work out. Amen. Paul knew that not only was the gospel true, but the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, excuse me, is reasonable. You see, God may sometimes act above reason, but he will never act contrary to reason in a world that promotes putting yourself first at any cost it is maddening for some people to think that the god of this universe came to serve and not to be served remember he cleaned all those nasty stinky bunions those toes that were decrepit that just hangnails falling off right all all that ingrown toenails poo all over the foot I'm just keeping it real. What did he do? He got down on that, on his hands and knees with that basin and said, this is what y'all are supposed to do with each other. You know, and it's symbolic of what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to serve. The lowly position of a servant to esteem others before yourself. That's what the God of this universe came down to, to show, to promote to us. Do that for one another. Do that for your brother. Do that for your sister. And people are sickened by the fact that the God of the universe did that? You're supposed to be God. You know, this is what the religious leaders had a hard problem with. Remember, they were under the the control of Rome. And so they're like, okay, yes, our Messiah is going to come. He's going to smash everybody. These fools are all going to be put out. And we're going to be good. And we're going to be able to live the way we think we're supposed to live. But he didn't come like that. He came as a suffering servant. But this is very important, and this is very small. But I think we need to take clear notice of this. Notice how Paul responds to Festus. You see, Paul responded with dignity and respect for this man. He didn't flash on him because Festus said he thought Paul was crazy. You see, Paul remained level-headed, and he didn't explode emotionally. He said, almost excellent Festus. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He was being respectful of the man. The application is this. How you and I respond to criticism as Christians is extremely important. 
You see, we could potentially tarnish our witness for Jesus Christ in how we respond to disbelief or how we respond to people who say we're a joke and we're not real and our God is fake. You don't go pick up something and smash on somebody because they tell you Jesus Christ ain't real and I don't believe in your God. And we got a lot of people that are getting all huffy and puffy and all worked up because their faith is being confronted. I never seen that in the Bible. Jesus didn't get all crazy like that. Yeah, he went in with a righteous anger and he up, up, upturned the tables of the people that were selling and making his father's house into a marketplace. But he didn't get all crazy because people, you know, said that you're not God, you're not this, you're not real. You know, but yet we see people on our side too. And they're getting all crazy. Unless someone's running up in your house trying to rob you or trying to take out one of your family members in the middle of the night, I really don't see the, the reason for someone to have to defend themselves in that manner. You look at the servant Paul, and he, he said, most excellent Festus. <laughs> you know, he, he respected the man. Again, you are free from the burden of hate and bitterness when you're embodied with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be all, oh, I got to get back for you, tick for tack. It's not, it's not an eye for an eye. And even that concept was to keep violence at a minimum. Not to just keep killing each other because you killed me, now I kill you. My family member, your family member. No, it was supposed to level it out. And nowadays, we just got people they're just losing their minds. I just read some Dade County, uh, Florida, somebody, uh, you know, some little rap concert or something. Shot up a bunch of people. 25 people wounded, two people dead. All for what? Because somebody's thinking they got to do something. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Next, Paul appears again to the knowledge that King Agrippa had of the history of the Jews. Remember, he was half Jewish, so he would have known some of these things. Festus, he recently came from Rome, and, and again, he probably didn't understand this whole Christian movement or the movement of the way. But, but King Agrippa, he would have had a better understanding. And so Paul used this to appeal to the knowledge of, of, uh, of King Agrippa. And, and he's telling him in the open that these were events that were historical events that happened in the Christian faith. These things weren't done in a corner. It wasn't done in, 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 in the clo under the cloak of darkness. They did these things in broad daylight. So there, there should have been reason for, for, uh, for Agrippa to understand these things. The historical foundation of Paul's message made it true. As for reason, it simply isn't reasonable to ignore or deny things that actually happen. Who Jesus is... And what he did must be accounted for. And this is where people who are atheists or people who just choose not to believe and deny the truth of who Jesus Christ is, they fail to understand the truth. They fail to acknowledge these are true facts. Whether you like it or not, there was a man named Jesus Christ who had lived and died, and they can't find his body. There's all kind of eyewitness accounts. There's all kind of relics that have been unearthed and digged up. The Dead Sea Scrolls. There's so much stuff to name. I can't name that all points to the validity of the Bible, the fact that it was written over so many period of time by so many different offers from so many different languages and everything is on point, right? I mean, this, it's the reality that this is the manual for life and how to live correctly under the sun. All right, we have several more verses and we'll be wrapping it up. Next, it says in verse 27, King Agrippa, this is Paul speaking to him, do you believe in the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, you would persuade me to be a Christian. And Paul said, whether short or long, 
I would to God that not only you, but all who hear me this day might become such as I, except for these change. So Paul used, again, Festus's outburst to appeal to King Agrippa. He wanted to see, do you believe? You know, you understand, you know the Jewish traditions. You see, this is important to point out because Paul brings it to Agrippa, asking him a challenging personal question. Do you believe? This is important because it reveals again how personable God is. You see, the creator of life doesn't want this vague, distant relationship with you or I. He wants a personal, intimate one. Remember in John chapter 8, what does Jesus ask? He asked, who do you say that I am? Obviously, Jesus Christ knows who he is, but he made the question a personal question. And you remember, Peter responds, and he responds, you're the Christ, you are the living God. You see, but Peter's response couldn't account for everyone else there. It could only account for Peter himself, because Peter chose to answer verbally. Because we know this is the case, that it couldn't account for everyone, because if it, if it did, then the case, in the case of Judas, he would have never betrayed Jesus, because that, that answer would have been good for everybody. But you see, Judas's heart wasn't in the right place to begin with to receive the revelation of God. And so even though Judas was with all the rest of the disciples all that time, and we know Peter messed up, <laughs> right? And so did Judas, but Judas went off and hung himself. And he didn't ask for repentance. But Peter, he, he figured it out, and he was like, man, I, I messed up. What do, what do I do? I got to turn back. I got to admit I'm wrong and, and, and ask for forgiveness. And God forgave him. <laughs> so Peter, upon the proclamation of what you said about me, I'm going to build my church. That's a great difference from going off and killing yourself, you know, because, you know, again, Judas, he just wasn't in the right place mentally or emotionally or with his heart spiritually and so he 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 couldn't he had knowledge of who Jesus was but there was never that personal connection it wasn't real to Judas and so his only answer was I, I, I'm so guilty I'm just going to kill myself and how sad that is that there's many people today that God is longing for a relationship with them but because for whatever reason they're just not at that place they end up taking their lives unfortunately Instead of turning back and just saying, please forgive me. You can be forgiven for the most heinous, wickedest things. There's things I would never share to you that I've done that I'm so ashamed of that the Lord has forgiven me of. That's the reality of the grace of Jesus Christ. The blood that covers every sin, past, present, and future. Next notice. Paul didn't first ask Agrippa if he believed on Jesus. He asked, do you believe in the prophets? You see, Paul did this because he knew that if Agrippa did believe in the prophets, that truth and reason would converge and that that would lead him to believe upon Jesus. He wanted to connect what Agrippa already believed and knew to what he should believe. Again, we see that Paul brought the challenge and a point of decision directly to King Agrippa. This is a good and often necessary part of the presentation of the message of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, calling the listener to decide. The application is this. 
No one can answer for you. No one can answer for me. This is one factor of why some people can grow up around or in the church and yet still deny Jesus Christ. You see, because your parents' faith can't save you. It can influence you to inquire for yourself. But at the end of the day, we all must answer the question, who do we say Jesus Christ is? Next, we see King Agrippa's response. This is classic. He says, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. When Paul called Agrippa to faith in the prophets and in Jesus, Agrippa refused to believe. Paul almost persuaded him. The literal idea between, behind almost is in a little, or you seek to persuade me to act as a Christian. The meaning of little could be in a short time, or it could mean there is little distance between me and Christianity. But regardless, however close Agrippa was to becoming a believer, it wasn't close enough. If the sense is almost, which it was, Agrippa's reply is especially sorry. Because, of course, almost being a Christian means that you almost have eternal life, that you will almost be delivered from the judgment of hell, but almost isn't enough. You can't almost get the job. And uh, what was it? You know, when the Niners played the Chiefs in that Super Bowl a couple years ago, you can't almost win the Super Bowl. Nobody cares about that. In the history books, they're not going to say, oh, yeah, it was close. And even when Kaepernick was on, the quarterback on the Niners, and I don't know who they played, you don't almost win. You got to win. That's all the record books are going to say. And in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's not going to say Johnny Timberland almost was a Christian. It's going to say your name is in the Book of Life or it's not. And this is what Agrippa failed to understand. In a world where absolutes are a minority and unpopular, absolute answers are essential in the Christian faith. You see, many do this. Well, well, I only, I only go to church service a few times a year. You know, I'll go on Easter and I'll go on Christmas. And I'm not knocking people that, that do that, that will show up here or go to other churches. But as if an appearance on Easter or Christmas is enough for their souls, that I can just show up, you know, once in a blue moon, or, or I'm too busy right now in my life. As if sometime later on, they'll be ready to receive Jesus. You see, many like Agrippa condemn themselves even more by admitting how close they are to the gospel, but how clearly they don't understand it and they reject it to become a Christian. You see, Paul recounted the words of Jesus on the Damascus road, saying what a Christian was. Paul was in the same position as Agrippa, and that's what he tried to show him. I'm just like you. I had to make a decision for myself as well. But you see, Agrippa didn't want it. King Agrippa didn't want to turn from darkness to light. He didn't want to have a place among God's people. He didn't want to become one of those who was set apart by faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17, through 17, these are classic verses. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, this is what kept Agrippa and keeps many people from receiving salvation in Christ. You see, the road is broad that leads to eternal destruction. And the road that is broad is decorated with the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Agrippa was too concerned about what others around him might think, like his sister Bernice. Remember, she was sinful. She was immoral. And maybe he thought, well, if I become a Christian, I'm going to lose my relationship with her. I'm going to lose my relationship with all these people. I'm going to lose my position as king in this economy. He was unwilling to make that sacrifice. Maybe Agrippa thought, I can't become a Christian because people like Festus are going to think I'm crazy. But you see, he wanted the praise of men, and he rejected Jesus Christ. John chapter 12, verse 43 says, For they love human praise more than the praise of God. Like the Pharisees, they made a show of themselves on the street corners praying that that's all the praise they would get is the praise and attention of men. And also, Agrippa Price saw Paul. I don't want to be like him. You, you're, you're a prisoner. And you're saying you're, you're, you're happy and full of joy. You're in chains. You're with the dogs. I can't be like that. So he, he, he pushed back. He said, I can't do it. I can't do it. All right. Lastly, as the, the worship team comes up, is these last two verses, 30 and 32. It says, the king rose, the governor and Bernice and all those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they, they, they said to one another, this man has done nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Paul's direct challenge was too much for Agrippa and Festus and for the others who were there. It, it, was, it was getting too close and too personal Right? So they, 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 they had to end it quickly. They were like, we're done. We're done. He said that this man has done nothing to deserve death or chains. Agrippa also saw that there was no evidence against Paul and respected his great integrity, but he still rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Agrippa and the others pronounced him not guilty. He said he could have been saved. He could have been saved if he had not appealed to Caesar. But what we take from this is, Again, our circumstances may not change, but you, you're saved from damnation. You're saved from eternal torment. You're saved from a lifetime of being, a, 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 an infinite time of being apart from God forever. Ever. And may, even though your situation may not change, it's far better that you're right with God now than not right with Him in eternity. So as we remember that, may we be those Christians who truly seek after the Lord to be obedient and to find our joy and our peace in Him. That way, no matter what you go through, you're still going to have your joy. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we, um, we just thank You for this reminder of, of how important it is for us to remember who You are and who we are in You. Lord, You give us a peace that truly does pass all understanding. We, in, in, Paul's, in Paul's circumstance, he can't explain how he has this peace. Being a prisoner, being put in a position where many 
just falter to the circumstances and die like that. But your, your servant stayed. Your, your servant grew stronger in you and, 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 and stood boldly for the proclamation of Jesus Christ and for the salvation that's found in him. Lord, whatever circumstances we are all in today, may we find our hope and our peace in you. May we proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ without wavering. And may we continue to seek after you no matter what comes our way. Father, I, I just thank you and I, I praise you, Lord. I pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.